Welcome to the Recent Speeches podcast presented by BYU Speeches, featuring inspiring new devotionals and forums given each week on BYU campus. Be sure to check out our other podcasts by searching BYU Speeches wherever you get your podcasts or by visiting speeches.byu.edu slash podcasts. I'm grateful for the opportunity to share some remarks today and to express my deep heartfelt appreciation and gratitude for who you are and what you do. President C. Shane's Reese's address this morning was exceptional. He stands on the shoulders of President Kevin Worthen and continues the unbroken line of excellent leadership that has characterized this great university. I also congratulate the award recipients and those who have provided the beautiful musical renditions. I addressed this university conference meeting in August of 2020. At that time, I referenced, as have other general authorities from time to time, Elder Spencer W. Kimball's seminal talk titled Education for Eternity. Elder Kimball challenged BYU and his faculty and staff to aspire to a prophecy of President John Taylor. President Taylor issued this declaration. You will see the day that Zion will be far ahead of the outside world in everything pertaining to learning of every kind as we are today in regard to religious matters. Elder Kimball also quoted Brigham Young who said, every accomplishment, every polished grace, every useful attainment in mathematics, music, and in all sciences and art belong to the saints. The university's mission statement declares that Brigham Young University is founded, supported, and guided by The Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. This is a significant asset and should not be viewed as a constraint. I love how Elder Kimball explained it. You must speak with authority and excellence to your professional colleagues in the language of scholarship but must also be literate in the language of spiritual things. It is this literacy that allows us to do what the world cannot do in its own frame of reference. My intent in in referencing this high standard is not because I, excuse me, is not because I have a sense that BYU is falling short, My feelings are quite the opposite. I am exceedingly pleased with what I see transpiring at this great university. I see continuous and significant righteous achievement. But the standard Elder Kimball said is a high bar. Our best efforts are expected, and there is yet much to be accomplished. When our goal is to prepare students not only for this life, but also for eternal life, we can never rest on our laurels. This year's theme from Moroni 7.19, that ye should search diligently in the light of Christ, lay hold upon every good thing, makes it very clear that we must diligently pursue both the light of Christ and every good thing. The Savior has declared, I am the true light that lighteth every man that cometh into the world. He has also commanded us to bring up our children in light and truth. 
Speaking of every good thing, Moroni, quoting his father, Mormon, teaches, Wherefore, everything which inviteth and enticeth to do good and to love God and to serve him is inspired of God. The light and truth given to us by revelation in this final dispensation is not easily comprehended or often understood primarily because of incorrect traditions. We have frequently observed that good people who are primarily involved in the secular world have a hard time understanding our purposes and aspirations as members of the restored Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. I'm not particularly critical or even surprised that they have such a difficult time understanding us. In my 33 years in the San Francisco Bay Area before being called as a general authority, I was a student at Stanford Law School, a business lawyer, and then ran a healthcare system. It was a challenge explaining to law students, colleagues, and even close friends not of our faith, many things that I was involved with because of my faith, such as periodically going to the church welfare farm to provide manual labor, attending a temple session on a Saturday morning, serving a two-year mission in the middle of my education years, serving as a lay leader in the ward and stake where I lived. It was relatively easy for friends to understand efforts to achieve Christ-like attributes or worship at Sunday services. The reference points they easily related to were attendance at church and charitable giving. It was not easy for them to understand how temple worship and other activities fit in the gospel picture. I appreciated Megan Kohler's recent Deseret News article explaining what she hoped major media would understand about the church and temple buildings. I loved her description that temples are monuments. They are beacons of light and peace, piercing clouds of cynicism, conflict, and despair. She was concerned that some media articles had primarily focused on temples as beautiful, financially expensive buildings. She declared, if the church's significance and impact is only measurable in dollars distributed, then it's a charitable organization rather than a church. To decide whether the church spends its money well, you must first decide what matters most. If the answer is forming eternal bonds with God and each other, then a temple building spree is money well spent. With Megan Kohler's words as a preamble, let me gratefully expand on your well-chosen theme, Moroni 719, that ye should that ye should search diligently in the light of Christ and lay hold upon every good thing. Latter-day Saint doctrine is unique and unequivocal about the role of intelligence and the importance of education and knowledge. In section 93 of our Doctrine and Covenants, we are taught that one, truth is independent. Truth is knowledge of things as they are and as they were and as they are to come. Two, the glory of God is intelligence, or in other words, words, light, and truth. Three, intelligence, or the light of truth, was not created or made, neither indeed can be. Four, exercising our agency to find light and truth and lay hold of every good thing is a doctrinal goal. 
In the quest for both faith and knowledge, we also need to maintain humility. In my experience, those of you associated with BYU have avoided Nephi's painful teaching that some who are learned think they are wise and they hearken not unto the counsel of God. Unfortunately, in our day, in much of society, we see self-importance and arrogance flaunted while humility and accountability to God are denigrated. Many who consider themselves learned do not understand our purpose here on earth. Amulek, Alma's missionary companion, stated this very clearly. This life is the time for men to prepare to meet God. Having sufficient humility in our lives to help God's children deepen their faith in Him and doing so more fully establish the Lord's Church should continue to be a primary objective. The leadership of this church and our leaders in higher education have over a long period dedicated the time and resources necessary to provide exceptional educational institutions. The church system of higher education tries to emulate the Savior's message, ministry, and mission. As the flagship of the church educational system, BYU's spiritual leadership is an asset and a resource for the entire church. We are grateful for what you are accomplishing. Think of the size and complexity of the church's educational commitment across the world. Last year, BYU, BYU-Idaho, BYU-Hawaii, and Ensign College had a combined campus enrollment of 76,856. Through BYU Pathway Worldwide, an additional 61,491 online students were served across 180 countries. In the next two years, BYU Pathway enrollment will exceed the combined enrollment of all four university campuses, reaching students who could not afford or did not think they had access to education. Beyond church schools, seminaries and institutes enrolls an additional 733,668 students. Each of these institutions provides a roadmap for success in this life and service in the kingdom. Many universities with a much smaller enrollment have large endowments and charge very high tuition fees. Our precious students cover a wide spectrum of backgrounds and circumstances. Our most academically oriented students can compete with students admitted to the highest ranking schools. This is true here at BYU. I am grateful that students who have not had educational opportunities and come from different countries, cultures, languages, races, and economically disadvantaged families are also getting the benefit of an excellent education. Today, no matter where you live in the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints, you have access to an affordable, high-quality, spiritually-based education because of the priority the Church places on education. <clears throat> Speaking to the National Press Club last year, Elder David A. Bednar shared that the Church invests over $1 billion annually in higher education. Please note that our commitment to education grows not out of some historical antecedent. Rather, our commitment to education grows out of our doctrine. There are four doctrinal commitments that Latter-day Saints adhere to and support 
in a heartfelt manner. These commitments clearly qualify for the every good thing part of this year's theme. They are set forth in the Church's General Handbook. These commitments require huge amounts of time and significant financial resources to achieve. The Church is organized at the general and local level to accomplish these purposes as set forth in the handbook. It reads, We come unto Christ and assist in God's work by living the gospel of Jesus Christ, caring for those in need, inviting all to receive the gospel, uniting families for eternity. These are not just current objectives and purposes. They are based on historical revelation and the doctrine of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. An account from early church history provides context and perspective. The refining process of Zion's camp in 1834 has been an example for the entire church. Even when the church had very few members, over 230 men, women, and children marched over 1,000 miles from Kirtland, Ohio to Clay County, Missouri for 45 days. The purpose was to assist church members who had been forced from their homes. Certain additional principles were provided by the Lord at that time. The saints did not, quote, impart of their substance as becometh saints to the poor and afflicted among them, and are not united according to the union required by the law of the celestial kingdom. And mine elders need to be endowed with power from on high, end quote. The Prophet Joseph Smith in February of 1835 in Kirtland explained some of the significance of Zion's camp to the brethren who had participated. He told them, God did not want you to fight. He could not organize his kingdom with 12 men to open the gospel door to the nations of the earth unless he took them from a body of men who had offered their lives and who had made as great a sacrifice as did Abraham. It is interesting that most of the initial apostles of the Restoration and all of the first quorum of the 70 were veterans of the camp. Additional principles and doctrine were provided when the leaders were endowed with power from on high, which occurred in the house of the Lord, the Kirtland Temple. The events are recorded in the 110th section of the Doctrine and Covenants. These powers endowed from on high include First, the keys of the gathering of Israel from the four parts of the earth. Second, the gospel of Abraham and preparing people to meet God. Third, the keys for the redemption of the dead and priesthood sealing power. Why have I covered this in such detail? I wanted to clearly establish the unquestioned significance of responsibilities that matter most and rest upon all of us and particularly those of us who work with the rising generation. To emphasize the elements of God's work of salvation and exaltation, these responsibilities are at the pinnacle of laying hold of every good thing. Complying with these divinely inspired points of doctrine is a massive effort. Let me share a little of the history of the three keys committed by Moses, Elias, and Elijah as recorded in the 110th section, and what the Church has accomplished with respect to each of them. First, inviting all to receive the gospel. Two months ago, on June 22nd, 
President Russell M. Nelson introduced a second edition of Preach My Gospel, a guide to sharing the gospel of Jesus Christ. It had been nearly two decades since the initial Preach My Gospel was introduced. In the introductory letter that accompanied President Nelson's video, the first presidency stated, the Savior's gospel is the only enduring solution for the challenges faced in today's world. This underscores the urgent need to make the truth of the gospel of Jesus Christ known to all. Preach My Gospel is a treasured resource to help bring the Savior's healing, sanctifying power to individuals, families, missionaries, and those they teach." End quote. The overwhelming commandment of the risen Savior in all four Gospels in the Bible is to preach the gospel to all the world. The keys for gathering Israel in this dispensation were committed, as I have noted, by Moses in the Kirtland Temple. In the first 120 years of the restoration of the church, approximately 62,970 missionaries served. Amazingly, we have over 69,000 missionaries serving under call from the prophet right now. We are grateful for the enormous expansion of the missionary effort. In the last two decades, there have been almost five million missionary convert baptisms into the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. The number of missions has increased from 338 to 414 since 2004. 160 nations and many territories are within the boundaries of these missions. Our effort to invite all to receive the gospel has shown dramatic results. In addition to taking the gospel to the world, the rising generation has been prepared to provide leadership for the church. It is interesting that experts on mental maturation, not of our faith, have pointed out to the church leaders that serving a mission provides a maturation process for learning that is an excellent preparation for higher education. On this campus, more than two-thirds of our students have served missions. Depending on the semester, that is more than 21,000 returned missionaries. Think of the strength that these BYU State students have carried across the world. In turn, consider how their mission experiences strengthen the learning environment on this campus. All of this is an outgrowth of a fundamental doctrine of the Church to invite all to hear the gospel. Second, living the gospel of Jesus Christ. This responsibility is again set forth in the Savior's teachings in both the Bible and the Book of Mormon. Elias committed the keys for the dispensation of the gospel of Abraham, saying that in us and our seed, the generations after us should be blessed. These keys include religious observance in the home and church worship in chapels across the world. It includes young and older men exercising their priesthood to bless the human family. This is the most easily understood by the secular world. Almost everything we do in the church is to bring people to Jesus Christ and the blessings that are promised. We have over 31,300 wards and branches and over 19,400 chapels. These meeting houses are spread across 195 countries. 
On this campus, we help our students prepare for future church service through our 21 university stakes with more than 260 student wards. Third, uniting families for eternity. President Russell M. Nelson has emphasized the significance of our temples in making baptismal and temple covenants with God as we receive the ordinances of salvation and exaltation. The keys for redeeming the dead and the sealing power are essential for the rising generation regardless of what they are studying and regardless of what their particular interests are. All students should have instilled in their hearts a desire to receive the power from on high, represented by temple endowments and sacred temple covenants. The revelation President Nelson is receiving to establish temples all over the earth is clear and convincing evidence of the necessity of each individual to give this effort a very high priority. When I returned from my mission in 1962, there were 12 temples in five countries across the entire world. Today, there are 179 dedicated temples in 51 countries and an additional 136 temples in 50 countries that have been announced or are currently under construction. It is not coincidental that we have a house of the Lord adjacent to every CES campus. Here in Provo and soon in Rexburg, there will be two temples. Conclusion, why have I spent so much time covering the doctrinal purposes of the church? Our purpose, in addition to knowledge and education, is preparing students for eternity. If we are going to use the light of Christ and to lay hold upon every good thing, these purposes of Christ's restored church must not just be understood, but exhibited in all of our lives and included as part of the gospel methodologies in Elder Kimball's foundational address. Each of us must continuously strive for personal righteousness and temple worthiness. I believe BYU and you faculty members and employees are on the right track to be the institution that Spencer W. Kimball described. I express our love and appreciation for you and all the great work you are doing. I am confident that this marvelous institution will be a seminal voice for building faith in the Lord Jesus Christ and his atonement and preparing for the second coming of our Savior. I pray that the Lord will bless each of you as you strive to righteously empower the rising generation. I bear my sure and certain apostolic witness of the divinity of the Savior and the reality of his atonement. In the name of Jesus Christ, amen. amen. You've been listening to the Recent Speeches podcast presented by BYU Speeches. Please check out our other podcasts, including classic speeches taken from our vast audio library, as well as other BYU Speeches compilations on love and marriage, overcoming adversity, by study and by faith. Come follow me, the prophet Joseph Smith, and Jesus Christ, our Savior and Redeemer. Go to speeches.byu.edu and click on podcasts for more information. You can also find all BYU Speeches podcasts at your preferred podcast provider.